0: And Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers! My guest today is Elise Krenzel. Elise is an author, ghostwriter, communications entrepreneur, and book coach. She has lived in five countries and is the mother of one son. Her first book, Under My Skin drama, trauma, and rock and roll is available for sale now on Amazon. She's currently working on her second book, Men Moving Me. Welcome, Elise. How are you today? I'm really ready to kick some ass, Terry. Great. I'm so happy to hear that. And you're the person to do it, right? (laughs) (laughs) Give us some background about you. Like what? Tell us a little bit about your childhood and and how that affected you, and and just whatever you want to share with us. Okay, sure. Well, you know, <clears throat> I'm sixty five years old, young, young. young. Uh, correction, yes. And I like to say that I am I am a boomer with a millennial or Gen Z mindset. Ah, it's I like kind that. of the Benjamin Button effect. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Okay, so how did that happen? So, I had to unpeel all the layers, starting with a dysfunctional family. We're talking, like, name any kind of abuse, and it happened. Oh, so, wow. So emotional, which is, to me, the most devastating. Mm-hmm. There was physical, like, back in those days, being slapped around silly or having things thrown at you. Right, like screaming, yelling, ranting, and raging around. Right. Both parents were narcissists, which we've learned a lot about all these, <laughs> you know, the last decades. Yes, we have. And then there's so much other stuff that the only outlet that I found was through music, writing, and also humor. Oh, humor is key to life, right? Yes. It's I brought to life and health. It's it is indeed, yeah. but I wasn't always as humorous <laughs> or funny to myself or to others, right? Oh, but okay. now I can say, "Hey, I brought the fun back into dysfunction." Good, good. I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> right. So I grew up in New York City. And this is part of my book, which is based on the years from 5 to 20 years old. Okay. I put all of my energy into writing. I played guitar. I loved music. And I had this extraordinary memory for, like, the Wikipedia of, of rock bands. Wow. And, and punk great. bands. Mm-hmm. So I started writing for my school newspaper. I started writing these four reviews. And my poetry teacher who loved my poetry and my writing taught me how to write a cover letter. Remember back in the days when you had an IBM Selectric? Oh yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and you had to write a cover letter. Yeah. Letters, right? If you would right. send a resume. You would carbon copy it. Oh yes, I remember those days too. <laughs> so for two years, from 15 to 17 years old. I sent letters, I sent these reviews that I had done mm-hmm. to magazines. And then finally one day I got a call from Circus Magazine and said, Okay, we'll let you do an interview. Why, oh boy, and how old were you at the time? Seventeen. Seventeen. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. If it, if anybody's read the book Almost Famous, then you'll know my story. I'm the female virgin. But because of the backstory of dysfunction, then right. You have to add the TV show Shameless. When (laughs) Almost Famous meets Shameless, that's Elise Crensell's story. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So I got published and then I got an apartment. At 17, I was out of high school. I graduated a year early, got an apartment in the city, started working full time going to school at columbia university at night i was a really kick ass determined young woman you were absolutely wow at 19 i got the phone call from the manager of kiss the rock band to go on tour with them to japan how did that happen did he read something about i mean that's amazing that is really amazing when you think about it at 19 they called you You didn't even apply. They called you. That's really amazing. I believe in 99% perspiration and 1% inspiration. Yes, I do too. So what happened was I had a strategy. (laughs) I knew that being a freelance journalist on her way up, if you want to call it that, Mm -hmm. up that ladder of fame, getting a byline. There was so much competition. Mm -hmm. How was I going to do it? I needed something unique. And being the rebel that I am, (laughs) I, I don't do things in a linear fashion. So I decided I will become the New York correspondent for Canadian... And British trade and consumer journals. That was really smart. That was really, really smart. Yep. Nobody wanted that. No. 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 Nobody knows these newspapers. Nobody knows these magazines. Right. But I got the in behind the scenes. Yep. Tickets, the interviews, because I now had credentials. Oh wow, that is really amazing at such a young age and i got into studio 54 and danced my ass off oh boy i bet so many people were jealous of you <laughs> all your friends they're like oh my god look at her <laughs> actually a lot of the guys were jealous of me Aha, uh-huh. yep yep i bet don't forget misogynistic yep internalistic yep a pretty young thing with brain Yep. oh my god doesn't exist they thought right <laughs> i mean it's a women's lib yep attitude yep feminist oh boy oh no no you know okay anyway so they the reason they called me was because their tour after japan was canada go figure that's great oh my goodness <laughs> so yeah i mean i, I was such a snoot <laughs> I said, no, I'm not interested in the band. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Not interested in Kiss. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's nuts. So I said, so, no, I'm not going with you. And I hung up the phone. <laughs> Three weeks later, they called me back. And I said, "The oh, I have a condition. The only way I'm going to go is if you let me write whatever I want, because if I don't like what I don't like, I need to write that. And they're okay. like, we're convinced you will not even write that. So, yes, please come on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and they were right. See? There you go. You didn't know what you didn't know. So I had seen the band live, but I just didn't like them. Yeah. I was never a big fan. I wasn't. Yeah. No. So, no. But it changed. My, I, it changed everything once I got to Japan. Oh my gosh. Yes. And that changed your whole life because that's, that is a life changing type of job, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And at that young age, that's just amazing. So how long were you in Japan and then what else did you do after that? Okay. So after that kiss tour, I went back and I had gotten a beautiful offer from one of the main media moguls that I met on tour, Mm -hmm. and I went back on a one-year contract. Wow. And then I wound up staying an additional four years after that contract, building my own business, the first foreigner and female. Right. To have a talent and booking agency. And you were young at that point. That's really amazing. You were still very young to be having your own business. It's amazing for back then, right? right. For back that then, was not amazing. Now, no, no the entrepreneurs that are fourteen years Absolutely. old. Absolutely, but back then it was very unusual. So I got to hand it to my father, mm-hmm. for he was the original freelancer, and he never stopped me from doing anything except getting married. Uh, to a non <laughs> white person. Oh my. <laughs> so I didn't talk to him for about 10 years. Oh my gosh. 10 years. Ooh. Well, you know, if you're, if you have a narcissist, they're not going to talk to you. Right. Right. Yep. No. You know, yep. this, is, this is what you're dealing with. Yep. Anyway, I don't want to give away too many things like spoiler alert. They're in the book, right? They got to read the book. Well, they got to read the book up till twenty, which ends yes, which ends with me in Japan. Okay, period, <laughs> right, period. And this is going to be a trilogy, so we'll get your whole life in there. But this first book is is from five to twenty when you're you're ending up in Japan. So right, right, good, yes, good, right. That's amazing. So it sounds like you've always been a writer, but you've never written a book. You wrote reviews and you wrote a lot of other things. I did write two books. Oh, you did? Okay. But they were not published. Okay. So one book I wrote in the in the eighties and the other in the nineties. Okay. They weren't published, you know. <laughs> it might get published later, right? No. now The past. The past. Okay. <laughs> Yesterday's history. Tomorrow's a mystery. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So tell me, you depended on your intuition to help guide you in life. So how did that guide you from young until today how does it feel uh, guide cuz intuition i think so many of us ignore it and that it's key we can't ignore our intuition i want to say that i did let my intuition guide me however when i was younger i also let my idealistic fantasy Mm-hmm. Interfere with that. So I wasn't seeing reality all the time. Okay. Especially when it came to my intimate partners. Ah, uh, and you've had many, right? Yeah. Was it four marriages? Three marriages. Three marriages. Okay. And just as many, if not more, others. Relationships. Yeah. Relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so I can't say that I always followed it. And, you know, I think in relationships, that's the one place women don't follow their intuition because red flags pop up and we ignore it because we're in love. Correct. We're so in love. And we and back in the 50s and 60s, love was everything. And if you fell in love, everything would be fine. But it wasn't fine. No. We got married and it wasn't fine, but that's what we were taught. So right. a lot of it was the upbringing we all had we all had these rosy glasses, like if you fell in love and got married, everything would be okay. You so know? I think we all kind of ignored our intuition when it came to relationships. I think it's more than that. Like if not to get too philosophical here, but it is a societal disease <laughs> with the fact that when we as individuals listen to our intuition, that's female and male. hmm then we are not listening to a patriarchal, authoritarian ruler, right. whether it be in the church, the school, the father figure, yep. you name it. Yep. That means we are rebelling in order to listen to our own true selves. And right. I did on many levels, and then I didn't, as we were just discussing in the relationships, Right. And now at 65, I mean, I freed myself of all of that crap. Right. Good. And, and, and now it's just about me and it's not selfish. Mm-hmm. It's actually self-directed. Right. Which is liberating. Right. And it's never selfish when we're trying to be the best person we can be. We have to listen to our intuition and we have to do what's right for us, not anybody else. What's right for us. Correct. And then you. we also have to be vigilant though mm-hmm. about our motivation. Right. Because sacrifice does not mean Giving everything up for others. No, it doesn't no. mean that. No. The may the meaning of sacrifice is to be loving without the expectation of a reward. In other words, something in return. Right. Or manipulation. Right. Okay. So I approach, for example, my son that way. I gave birth at 44 mm. to my first and only love child. Wow. Who was born in 2001, a space oddity. (laughs) (laughs) And an odyssey. Yeah. Yeah. In the Netherlands. In the Netherlands. Yes. And he was born in the town of Harlem. Really? Kind of like Harlem in New York. Kind of because the Dutch settled it in New York. Oh, I didn't know that. Same with Brooklyn. There's the adjacent (laughs) town to Harlem in outside of amsterdam is called brooklyn which is brooklyn brooklyn absolutely oh my gosh i did not know that but that makes sense and who settled the bronx who settled the bronx was a family dutch family called the bronx oh oh see that is why we're off on a tangent but who cares that is why (laughs) uh, that is why the Bronx is the only borough that has the word the in front of it. Oh, I didn't even know it had the in front of it. I mean well, I, I didn't know that. I mean, I've seen it written. I don't remember seeing it. But you know how your brain just plays tricks on you. You're just so used to saying the Bronx that, but I didn't know it was actually written that way. Yeah, yeah. That's so anyway, so I had an inner city kid as as the did. <laughs> and and this this really it changed my life. It yes. My life. yeah Again. 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 There you go. Another change. And I think you said he helped you deal with some of your healing that went on as you got older. Oh, definitely. Because he called you on things, right? Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. It's like, whoa, wow. They'll I'll do that, me. won't they? <laughs> yeah, but I'm seeing myself as a teenager. It's like, ah. whoa, oh. holy cow, was I like that? Yeah, you were yeah, I was. Worse. I was. You were worse, right? Well, worse. I'm like, right, right. Like, yeah. Oh, and my gosh. The last time he called me out on something was in July when he was here in uh, visiting me in Austin. And uh, he just said, stop crying now. He said, that's not going to work anymore. Stop saying I'm sorry. Just <laughs> like, change. Just change. But you did change, didn't you? Because before you were a drama queen, and now you're just a queen. So you right. must have changed, right? <laughs> there's always room for improvement. And there's, there's always God. room. Absolutely. Always. He's room. just studying to be a mechanical engineer. So yeah, improvement is his middle name. Yeah, there you go. Oh, my gosh. So what else helped you to heal all of the things? Because I think so many boomers hold on to grudges and things that happened in their childhood that you know were bad or whatever, and they can't let go. They can't forgive and they can't move on. And they are stuck now as a boomer, not able to live their best life because they are stuck. So what did you do to help you heal from all of the abuse you suffered? Because you did suffer a lot. Yes, I did. and. Yeah. I actually suffered until my mother passed away. Oh, wow. That's a long time. Well, I'm admitting it. I think a lot of people don't admit it. They don't. You're right. And they hide it or they suppress it or it's like la-di-da. Right. And then it, it comes out in very different ways. One of the first ways that it comes out when we're suppressing our deeply, you know, dark emotions is through physical ailments, physical disease, physical pain. Yes, body is holding on to it. Yes, that's the first way. And then if you let that go and ignore that, well, then it's going to come out in like weird, uh, weird ways. Like you may be rageful at a shop owner that the, what they call Karen's now. Well, mm-hmm. those people are carrying deep, deep, deep hurt. Yes, the same. Or the former forty-five. I mean. This is a severely hurt little child. Yep, yep. Okay, so it's going to come out in all different ways. Yep, I agree. And so I had been a kind of self-help junkie, Mm -hmm. reading books, going to seminars, trying everything from gestalt therapy to past life recall, Louise Hay, you know, heal your body, heal your mind, Edgar Cayce Institute, you name it, I tried it. Yep. And all of that is good, and it will be incrementally. Yes. However, all of that, again, in my opinion, is mental, much more intellectual. And even if we go to our past and recall events Mm -hmm. and cry our eyes out, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that we've moved on. Right. It doesn't. And so all of these therapies left the past in the present, mm-hmm. and so I I guess what I did was I started coming up with techniques because again as a writer you can fantasize you, you you come up with things, and I said okay so I think what the issue here is how do I let out the rage that's still inside of me so I did a meditation that enabled me in the meditation to come up with the most dastardly ways to kill everyone oh my gosh (laughs) that's really a unique meditation (laughs) yeah and it worked it worked hey if it works that's great So, so i i did this for about a year like until i got all of the rage out of me and believe me you know i should have written the book a hundred ways to kill someone (laughs) that would sell really fast maybe in in your mind right in In your your mind not really but in your mind right right oh my gosh yeah that's crazy and and so doing that helped me to first off get out the rage and once that happened or in the process it's not linear again Mm -hmm. As that was happening, my mother was dying. And she continued to be more than disagreeable, unappreciative of the fact that I moved house and home. Did you really? From Europe. Wow. (laughs) After being in Europe for 20 years, I moved to be with her to take care of her. And then what happened a year and a half later is I went through a very horrible divorce. So now I'm going through that. I'm taking care of this dying, unappreciative mother. Right. And then I moved. I moved away from New York and I left her. I would just, I didn't leave her stranded. I put her in a nursing home. Mm -hmm. And the point being that it was really until a month before she passed, she was still yelling and screaming at me saying, Mothers and daughters always fight. I said, "No, they don't." Oh, no, they do not. Oh, no, they. I, don't. I never fought with my mother. Never. They don't. I said. No. And if you continue, you will. You will receive my wrath. Right. That wrath will be silent. Right. And that's what happened. I never spoke to her again. Sometimes you have to do it. I mean, right. was she still an alcoholic when she died? Yeah. Yes. She ne- so she never healed. So until yeah. she was willing to heal herself. She wasn't going to change. She had stage four lung cancer. Oh my gosh. Wow. She had, it was like the game of operation. Yeah. She had a gallbladder removed. She had brain radiation. She had a lung removed. Oh my gosh! And adrenal gland. And she still drank. She had somebody sneak in bottles of vodka jar. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. But you know, when you're sick that many years, it is really hard to to heal. Although I interviewed a woman who was an alcoholic most of her life and she got off alcohol, I think she was 76. Finally healed herself, but now she's living this wonderful life and she has a new relationship with her children, but it took her till 76 and her daughter goes, at six years old, her daughter was begging her to stop drinking. Let and it. it took her all those years. But it's there's some people that it they don't heal at all. They don't. Right. Right. So it doesn't matter how long, as long as you're you're aware and want to change. Nobody can force it. No, you can't force it. They have to be willing, or it won't happen. Absolutely. You know. So when all of that happened, yeah, I I guess after she passed. And I recognized my own power because my own power was building. Power meaning self-confidence, self-esteem. I knew what I did. I moved house and home from another country. Yeah. I knew. And then I could see there were so many terrible things that she did. Like she'd be whinging and whining. Like, why are you spending time with your son? You know, what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Read Goddamn book right, Right what? I don't know, you know you're a grown woman. right, Oh my gosh. But I guess after these meditations and at the same time building up the the turning point for me was probably in 2018. So we're only talking four years ago, I was sixty one Yeah, wow. Where where it no longer, no longer anything bothered me. Because it's not only the result of other people, right? It's also how you incorporate these belief systems right. and then attach yourself to them. Yes. And I guess the last stronghold was, okay, so I forgive these other people, mm-hmm. which was basically everybody who was intimate to me in my life. Mm. Wow. And I forgave them all. Mm-hmm. But now I have to look in what are my demons? What are my fears? Right. So, when because I- we, you also played a part. So you have to understand. I, I played more. a big part. Yeah. Yeah. So why and what? What was I all about that I let them do that to me? So right. Yeah. So the biggest fear was of being broke, of being poor. Oh wow. Of being maybe homeless even. And when I got over that and said, you know what, I. Did everything while building my business while my son was still at home. Mm -hmm. I did everything except spread my legs. Good for you. (laughs) Good for you. (laughs) Make it happen. Right. Right. I did it. I became a preschool teacher at 56 years old. Oh, boy. I had more energy than those 30-year-olds. I bet you did. You still do at 65. I can see the energy. So you still do. I'm going to have it until I croak. Yeah, me too. Me too. (laughs) Absolutely. Youthful. Yep. Youthful. Young at heart. Yes. So basically, once I got over the fear, and how did I get over the fear? I went to our nearest homeless shelter and I volunteered. Oh, okay. That's a good idea. And then you can see that if it happens, it's not the, you'll get over it. It's not not the worst thing in the world. It's that it was also had its opposite effect. Ah, by helping them? By helping them, I'm like, I will never be in the position. Right. I will never do that. Right. And so uh, I gained a tremendous skill over these last six, seven years. Right. Which is a flexibility. Like bamboo, the difference between an oak tree and bamboo. Mm-hmm. Bamboo sways in the wind. Yep. it it And it does not snap. Right, right. And that's where I'm at now in my life. Good, good. That's so, excellent. So when, when, if I look and compare, like, because I've done a couple of foolish things financially in my life. I've been rich, I've been poor, I've been everything in between. And... I I went into debt with that divorce. That was just horrible. I went into debt. I lost all my credit, and now I'm debt free. Good for you. Yeah. My car is paid off, and I'm building up a nest egg. So it's sure. like, who says it's too late? It's, it's never, never too late. Never no. too late. Ever. I agree. Get never off. Too late. Uh, get off. Uh. Yep. Off your butt. I'll be a kick-ass boomer. Yes. Never too late, never too old. You can as, do anything you any, want to do. As long as you're alive and breathing. Yes. Nothing is stopping you except no. your own brain. Yes, exactly. Because we have so many opportunities opened us today with the computers and the internet and everything else. We can do anything. We can. And, and if people, for example, Terry. Say, well, I don't know how to do it. Well, then learn. Google it. That's what everybody does. They Google it and they learn. I was talking to somebody who was starting something new. And he goes, all I did, oh, he was writing his book. I talked to another author. And he goes, I didn't really know how to edit, so I Googled it. And they taught me everything I needed to know to edit my own book. And then I Googled about where to go to get it published. And you can Google anything today. Well, and you can go on YouTube and watch yes, YouTube. And you are a visual learner. Right. Right, YouTube has everything on there. My kids will do one or the other. They'll usually do both, but they might Google first and then they go to YouTube. Absolutely. So the young people know that, so we should be aware of that too. We can do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's so true. And you know what, as boomers, we might live another 20 or 30 years. Are we going to be sitting on our behinds those years? Well, exactly because 60 is the new 40. Absolutely. I totally get it. I agree. It is. It is. is. Absolutely. When we're 80 years old, that will be like 60. Yeah. Right? Which means we we are now entering midlife. Yes. Yes. So if you stop and retire too early and decide you're just going to sit and enjoy life every day, you've cut out a big part of your life. We always have to be learning and doing new things to keep that brain engaged. So and also, if you, yeah. So if you, physical. And, oh yeah. Physical too. Physical, social. We need to be social. I talk yeah. about all of that. I talk about how humor is so important to keeping you healthy. So yes. you have to have some humor and some fun in your life. You have to be social because we're social beings. If you're going to sit in your apartment and cut yourself off, that could be your death knoll. You must be social. You must be out with people. That's important to our health and our well-being. Yeah. And you have to be engaged and keep your brain engaged. And you've got to move. You've got to exercise in some way. It doesn't have to be real involved, but you have to exercise in some way. Yes. So let's, yes, let's you talk about that. To all of the above. Yes. Yes. I talk, I kind of bring that into a lot of my podcasts because if someone's just sitting at home on a couch, they have to realize their life is going to be limited because you've got to be out doing things. You've got to be moving. You've got to be extra. If you just want to walk every day, that's enough. If you're, if you're taking those 10,000 steps a day, you will be healthy. It's better if you do a little weightlifting too, that adds more. But if you just walked, it could keep you healthy. Well, you know, look, a lot of people don't know how to get out either, or they, yeah. But that we maybe we can have another episode on. Yeah, well, you, all the tips and tricks on. Yeah, getting yeah, people. and and learning how to make friends because older people don't yeah. know how to make friends anymore. Well, you know, it's, that's key. And and what I find about myself is because I'm constantly renewing. Yeah, I see people all the time. Yeah, and you're meeting new people and different people, yeah. which is good. And I'm sure you're meeting all age groups because that's another key. If all of your friends are your age, as they start dying off, you don't have any friends anymore. Well, first of all, two of my closest friends already died off and one was 49. Oh, gosh. See that? Yeah. And I'm in a very youthful city. So, yes, now, now it took me. I'm living here in Austin 11 years. It's mm-hmm. the only city in the United States that I've lived in outside of my native New York, which is not America, if you know what I mean. Right, right. It's not. And so this was a real culture shock for me to come here. I, I didn't know a soul. Wow. And I didn't say y'all. Yo. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> you were in trouble right there. They knew yeah. you were an outsider. <laughs> well. Now I have a group of friends. Uh-huh. Great. That are my age, but it took 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. You really and have to learn. It's a very very young city. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. That Now I'm moving soon, but I'm moving to uh, the villages in Florida, which is central Florida. And it is a 55 plus community. So a lot of older people, but you know, there's some from 55 up to like 80 or 90. So you can have a lot of friends with different age groups. And the reason I want to move there is because it's such an active community, lots of stuff to do. There's 140,000 boomers who live there. And they have all kinds of classes and exercise classes, seven golf courses, 100 swimming pools. Like, there's all wow. kinds of stuff to do. So I'm going there to be active and do, like, I'm, I'm in Bucks County right now, which is on the East Coast. Yeah, right, and in the winter, right. you don't get out as much as you wow. do in the spring and the summer. So I right. want to be down south where I can be out on a regular right, basis. Right, Right. Oh. Yeah. So now that I'm older, when when I was younger, it didn't matter as much, but now I want to be with, I like being with people my own age, but I also recognize that you need some youthful young people too, because they spur your brain to think differently when you're talking to them. Well, you know that now my, my dream is from here on in is to be a kind of digital nomad, Uh, meaning I want to work a couple of months a year in different places and take at least two months of the year to just vacation that's a great idea yeah which for me vacation isn't just sitting and doing nothing it's cultural yes venture like so on my bucket list next year I'm going to go to Mongolia oh wow Mongolia that's a place most people don't want to go to but (laughs) well I'm unique You are unique. You are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I went to China and I think it was like 2005. I went to China and I just always wanted to see the Great Wall for myself, be right there. So that was the best, most fabulous trip. I was there in 2006 for the first time. Were you? Oh, my gosh. I just loved it. We were in Shanghai and Beijing, and we t- I took a cruise down the Yangtze River. So every day I got off and saw a little bit of China, you know, some of the unique things, some schools and, and factories and that kind of stuff. I, was a, I just loved it. But it was, it's an active vacation. You're not sitting around. You're moving yeah. every day. No, that's I, what I like, too. Me, too. Me, too. I went to India for the first time in 2009 nice. with my son when he was eight. Oh, that's amazing. That, that was an amazing trip. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, oh. my my relatives, I married a, a German man, so I married him over there, brought him back here. So we were always going back to visit relatives. And we even put our young children on airplanes by themselves at like six, seven years old. Well, We put them on and relatives picked them up over there. And then they were able to spend three or four weeks in Germany. And that helped them develop. I know. So my my ex-husband, the last one, and the father of my son Mm -hmm. is Dutch. Okay. Yep. But I ditched the Dutch in a dike. Anyway, when my (laughs) son was seven years old, he went as an unaccompanied minor to the Netherlands to visit his father who was there right. with the grandparents. My right. son was scared out of his wit. Was he? Oh, my gosh. Yes, because they told me that he was shaking on the plane and, like, he was so scared. Oh, see, my kids weren't scared. I don't know why, but they no. weren't. Mine was because we were we were then separated and yeah, yeah. You know, he must have thought, Oh my God, will I go back to mom? Yeah. Right, right. Are they gonna keep me over there? Yeah. Right. My right. kids weren't worried about that. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. The experience oh, is fantastic. My son is now twenty one. He's been to more than twenty five countries. Oh, that's great. That's Maybe. great. You know. I mean the, when away. you, tra- when you travel, you learn that we are all alike. We yes. all want the same things. Our culture's a little different. Our music's a little different, but we all want the same things. And I love traveling. I love going to other countries. I went, I traveled with my daughter to Spain, Barcelona, Spain. And then we went to Rome and Venice, not Venice, Rome and Florence. florence And we loved it. We had such a great trip. So it was me and my daughter. And of course, she's a lot younger. So she did all the... um maneuvering. She had her phone and the GPS and I didn't really have to think about anything. She got us on buses if we needed to. She found everything on her phone. So it was wonderful. So traveling with younger people makes it easier on us. I didn't have to worry about it. Right. And that's been my life story. I lived in five countries over a period of 27 years Mm. Yeah, as an expat, each time creating a new identity for myself and a new business. I've never worked for anyone in my life. Oh, good for you. Good for you. Yep. You're the best employer, right? Why not? Mm -hmm. Yep. So you've led a very interesting life. So I'm sure people are going to want to run out and get that book that gives you the basis. And then they're going to want to have the next two too, because (laughs) this is an exciting life you've led. So someone out there listening who hasn't had the chance to leave this kind con- even though you've had a lot of trauma you re- also had a lot of excitement and good things happening that other people never have happened in their entire life i know what i i made i wrote something in one of my diaries because right now i'm reviewing many of my diaries and notes and scribbles uh, uh memorabilia in order to write book 2 which i'm about halfway through now mm-hmm. and and What I realized was that I wrote something when I was 21. I said, I have lived more lives until now than most people who are twice or three times my age. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. And then the next year's you le- lived even more. So people who haven't had that chance can read your book and kind of live life through it through the book, which is Licarious nice. Darius. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why not? I think that's yep. great. So tell my audience where they can find you, where they can find the book, give us the book's name again so that they can reach out to you. Thank you. It's the name of the book is Under My Skin Drama, Trauma and Rock and Roll. Elise Krenzel, we'll have to get the spelling on that. Right. Elise, E-L-I-S-E, Krenzel, K-R-E-N-T-Z-E-L. You can get it on Amazon. You can also go to my website, www.elisekrenzel.com. Okay. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok under Ah. my name. Good for you. She's on TikTok too. (laughs) Yes, she is. So if anyone's listening and they weren't able to write anything down and they're not sure how to spell Elise's name, all of that will be in my show notes. So you just have to go to kickassboomers.com, click on her picture. She will be number 104 episode number 104. So you can just click on her picture. All the show notes will come up. All of her connections will be right there. You can click on them and get right to Amazon and to her website. I'll have all the information and it will be clickable. So if you're out exercising and listening, you don't have to worry about writing everything down. So thank you. This has been a most amazing conversation. Uh, it's, I'm sure the audience had a lot of fun listening to it. And <laughs> we've learned a lot too. And maybe they can use some of that information to help themselves as well. I hope so. Yeah, I do too. If there's any boomers out there that really need the healing and need to let go of some of their hurts that have piled up over the years, now's the time to do it. Because it, then, Yeah, I, I like to say it's now or never. There's nothing as glorious as the present moment. That's right. Do it now and then you can enjoy life even more. Yes. Yes. I want to thank you, Terry. It's been delightful. It has. I've loved it. So thank you very much.